One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. So good to see everybody, or at least see the silhouettes of what I presume is people that I know. Uh, but great to, to be here tonight. And I got to give a shout out to Joel and Veronica having their birthday double header birthday. Joel is a day older than Veronica. And uh, so they had their birthday. Let's see, Joel's was Friday, Veronica's was yesterday. So you, you had that narrow window of being the elder, and now she's caught up, caught up with you again. Um, well, guys, I know I mentioned it already, but uh, thank you guys so much for coming out tonight and um, just prioritizing being here. Um, I know uh, for all of us, there's many reasons uh, why you could not be here tonight, um, but thank you guys for being here, and um, you know, it's a, it's a blessing. I, I don't know if we all fully appreciate this, the, the impact, the influence, uh, and the value that you bring even ju through just showing up and being present. And um, I know you think, well, that's what pastors just say uh, because that's what pastors have to say, but it really is uh, true. The Bible says, when you come together, let each one have a psalm, a hymn, a gift of some sort. And so uh, you coming here uh, positions you in the place that you can be a blessing to the body. So thank you guys uh, for doing that. And um, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Uh, come on. <laughs> and team, and Todd, and Lori, and Sarah. Uh, what's that Rita Springer lady's name? I forget her. Uh, Marsha, yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. Marsha, thank you so much. It's awesome. Um, I'll tell you this. One thing, and I'm just um, continuing the thought that I was saying before, one thing that I see in this season that I think is so beautiful is God releasing gifts in the body uh, to function and uh, in, in ways that we may not have been used to in the past. And anybody ever done a workout that's a different workout than what you're used to? Yeah. If, you if you have, just raise your hand really proud. <gasps> yes, I've done that. Uh, it, it hurts so good, right? It's a, it's a little painful, a little sore, um, but it's a good thing. And um, there is so much in the body of Christ that... Um, needs to be activated, needs to be released. Sometimes we get caught doing the same thing all the time. Uh, we miss out on that. And I, I love this season that we're in because it is a, a different season. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> I don't, you may have been in church your whole life, and I can guarantee you've never been in a season like this, okay? Uh, but I know God's at work um, in this season. And um, before I get into what I feel the Lord's put on my heart to share tonight, and, and Steph may have been pumping it up too much, uh, a, a great sermon. Uh, this may not be a sermon, it may be more of a sharing, okay, but thank you, Steph. Um, 
I just mentioned this. Um, as I've said already, we're in a season of transition, and uh, we are on the move. Amen? We are on the move. And I'm so grateful uh, for where God is taking us. And I, I believe every church, regardless of their circumstances and their situation, uh, we always have to have a vision ahead of us for where God is taking us. And I, I don't think that's just for churches communally. I think that should be for each of us individually. Um, you know, faith is always looking ahead to what God has ahead of us. Um, and so I, I just uh, am so grateful that we are on the move, moving forward, a great season. And for us, that's a, that's a very unique or a very distinct season uh, that we're going to be moving into a building of our own, a home of our own. And I am uh, so excited and grateful uh, for that um, because um, some of the challenges that we have currently uh, and that we've had really since the, the beginning of our church, those, those challenges uh, will not be the same challenges we have. Uh, we'll have new challenges at that point. Uh, anybody ever uh, bought a uh, home for the first time? How many of you know that it's called new challenges, right? Owning a home of your own is new challenges. Uh, so we'll have new challenges, but we're so excited for where God is taking us um, in that. And just practically speaking, I want to give you some updates to make sure everybody's uh, on the same page. Uh, first of all, just on timeline, and I think uh, hopefully everybody is kind of getting the word, but just since I've got a, a number of you here in the room tonight, I'll just mention this, uh, that we are uh, looking, and I know, uh, let, let me preface this by saying, don't go to Brad afterwards and say, when are we going to move into the building, Brad? Um, Brad is such an incredible gift, and we are so grateful for Brad and his whole team, Iluhe, Christian Alvarado as well, back there, a part of the team, and, um, and not only those guys on the construction, but of course, JD uh, as the architect, and uh, I used to think an architect just designed a building, and that was the end of it, and I've realized uh, their work may never be done. I don't know. There's a lot of ongoing conversations, so JD is continuing uh, to be in the mix, and also Veronica Montilla as interior designer. I'm telling you, you could have a church of 10,000 people, and I'm telling you, you wouldn't have any better gifts than these people right here. And so I just want to say thank you guys so, so much for all of the work that you're doing. And, and I'm telling you, it's getting to the point that it is exciting it is exciting. There's always been a lot of things going on, uh, but now what has been going on behind the scenes is now becoming visible, okay? Uh, in the past, some people may have asked me, what's happening with the building? What's the latest update? And I could have shown you a, a uh, long, you know, uh, email thread that would have been very exciting showing all of the things happening, but now all of that work is beginning to manifest. I, I encourage you, uh, stop by the building sometime, and uh, we have some things. Actually, coordinate with Brad if you want to stop by the building. Sorry, Brad, let me just preface that. If you want to stop by the building, talk to Brad. But we, we do have uh, a work day coming up, another work day, which uh, thank you so much for the incredible 
people, uh, and it was men specifically, so I will use that term, you know, it, thank you to the men that came out uh, and helped us and uh, worked so hard uh, at the, at the workday that we had. In fact, if you're part of the workday, would you just stand up just so we give a little credit to, yes, come on. Amazing, amazing men, and I'm telling you, they exceeded expectations uh, way above what I thought uh, we could do, so thank you guys for that. We've got another uh, work day that we're going to be doing on December 3rd, and so um, cleaning up the yard, finishing some of those uh, projects, so that's a great time for you to come by, but um, why was I saying that? I just want to say everything's moving forward on that, and we're planning to... Um, finish construction uh, and to be in the building in February is when we're looking to uh, have our first service in the building, uh, which uh, that is actually the 10-year anniversary of our church. So how many of you think it would be a great celebration to have a 10-year anniversary in the building? And so uh, we, are, we are pressing forward in faith uh, for that. And so I want to say uh, thank you all so much just for your faithfulness. Uh, thank you for your help. So many of you contributing practically, uh, contributing financially, um, and, and also just faithfulness in the journey. And um, I also just, again, want to say thank you to Brad. Brad uh, is a, and, and everybody, but I want to say specifically to Brad. Brad uh, spent the day working and then came tonight and I said to Brad, I said, Brad, uh, perhaps lesser people would have used that as an opportunity to not come tonight. And Brad's response to me was, uh, I've been waiting all month for this. Why would I, I miss this? He said, this is a big rock. This is a big rock. This is a, a priority. And so um, to me, this is a dream to be able to work with such incredible people uh, in every aspect of the project. And if you ever see any beautiful video uh, footage and updates, it's not me making those, okay? It's Nate that is making those. And so I just want to say thank you to Nate as well and everybody that's been a part of it. Um, tonight, I felt like the Lord put something on my heart. I mentioned already, some of you, if you came in a few minutes late, uh, didn't hear the word that Kendall is out sick tonight. And so we're just um, Marcia stepped in and the team stepped in to lead, but um, I, I felt even prior to that, I felt like God was wanting to uh, maybe shift our plan a little bit tonight um, and wanting to emphasize something uh, tonight. And actually, in preparation for tonight, we always are kind of trying to make a plan of what we're going to do when we gather. And a couple of weeks ago, I told Kendall, um, I said, to be honest, I don't really, I, I don't have anything from the Lord. I've been praying and I don't feel any prompting or any, you know, word of this is kind of what we're going to focus towards. And I said to her, I've, I've now been doing this long enough. I've realized if I've not heard anything from God, it, it may just mean that he's not given the directions yet. Okay, so uh, I said, we'll just keep waiting and see what God does. And yesterday morning, I woke up, and I felt like the Lord just put a scripture on my heart. Um, and I didn't know that we would change the plans tonight, uh, but I, I want to share that scripture with you tonight and just share a little bit. Again, I don't have three points. Uh, I don't have, um, you know, they don't all start with uh, the letter P. Um, 
<laughs> so uh, for those of you who appreciate that, I'm sorry. For those of you who are annoyed by that, you're welcome. A change tonight. Um, but here's what I, I want to do. I want to just continue kind of this theme that we've been in uh, for a month or so uh, around the thought of teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And I share with you uh, last month that that was the uh, the only thing that the disciples specifically asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. They didn't ask him to teach them the fish and the loaves thing. They didn't ask him, uh, Lord, show us how to cast out demons. They didn't ask him, uh, Lord, teach us how to preach. Uh, because apparently they recognized that everything in Jesus's life, the power in Jesus's life flowed out of his prayer life. And so the key or the active ingredient uh, that made Jesus effective, they recognized was their prayer life, was his prayer life. And so they knew if they could learn how to pray like Jesus prayed, they would experience the life that Jesus experienced and that Jesus lived. And so we talked about that. And then I also talked about waiting on the Lord and how oftentimes, uh, sometimes the biggest hindrance in our prayer life is we're simply too busy. Uh, we just don't slow down and make time, and we don't prioritize it. So we talked about waiting on the Lord. We also talked about the prayer of faith and praying according to the Word of God. And then last Sunday, I shared a message um, on praying in the Spirit. And of course, one aspect of that, I believe, is and can be uh, praying in tongues, speaking in tongues, uh, a supernatural language. But I also think uh, praying in the Spirit can just be that, that supernatural energy uh, that comes in our prayers. Has anybody ever experienced that before? Uh, where you're praying and maybe it feels like it's just kind of dead and dry and all of a sudden there, there's this energy that comes to your prayers. Start, suddenly you start praying something with uh, a fervency and an energy uh, that you kind of feel like, where did that come from? I didn't know I cared so much about that. I, I believe that's a part of praying in the Spirit. And um, so tonight I want to continue that and um, this is a, a little bit of a hard passage of Scripture uh, tonight, and one of those passages that maybe we'd like to just skip over, but I feel like the Lord's wanting to speak uh, to us out of this little passage tonight, and I, I want to just speak on a house of prayer, uh, becoming a house of prayer. And so Mark chapter 11, verse 15, uh, Jesus has just come into Jerusalem, the triumphal entry. He's entered into Jerusalem. He's preparing to go to the cross and in verse 15, it says this, So they came to Jerusalem, and then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught them, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. Let me just say that again. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. Father, thank you for your word. We pray that you would supersede my ability. I pray that you would continue to rest upon us tonight. I pray, Father, that you would uh, help us to hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I don't know if you have ever thought about uh, 
your favorite version of Jesus in the Bible. Have you ever thought about that? If you were to look at all of the stories of Jesus in the Bible, all of the stories out of the gospel uh, or gospels, and you were to uh, pick a favorite version of Jesus, have you ever thought about what would be your favorite version of Jesus? Um, maybe your favorite version would be, uh, I don't think this is necessarily in the Bible, but maybe it's Laughing Jesus. Have you ever seen the picture of Laughing Jesus? Who likes Laughing Jesus? Laughing Jesus, good time Jesus. I like that. I like that image of Jesus. I think it's certainly true. He got invited to a lot of parties, okay? So you can't be a total dud and get invited to a lot of parties. So I think that's accurate. So maybe it's laughing Jesus, or, or maybe it's, um, may, maybe it's um, Jesus surrounded by children, which I always think is a good uh, illustration of why we should not be religious weirdos because uh, children are not drawn to weird people, okay? So that's just proof right there that if you are weird, uh, that's not like Jesus, okay? Um, so because children like to come to Jesus, so, all right? Um, so maybe that's the version of Jesus that you like, or maybe you like the triumphant Jesus, the victorious uh, Jesus um, you know, ascending to heaven, or maybe you like compassionate Jesus or friendly Jesus, uh, you know, sitting around the table, lingering around food. I like that version of Jesus. Uh, but if I'm honest, one of the versions that I'm not that comfortable with, or maybe can rub me the wrong way, so to speak, is this version of Jesus that we see in this passage. I mean, if you were going to call this version of Jesus anything, you may call it angry Jesus. Angry Jesus. Uh, and I don't know about you, but that, that, I have a little bit of a challenge with that. I like the friendly Jesus. I like the laughing Jesus. I like the compassionate Jesus. I even like the victorious Jesus. But the angry Jesus, that's a, that's a little troubling. You know what I mean? Uh, that's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit troubling, but I would say this, if our vision of who Jesus is, is not big enough, that it includes all of the personhood of Jesus, I think we need a greater revelation of Jesus. We need to see him, uh, as one song says, I want to see you rightly. And so, uh, this is one aspect of who Jesus is, and uh, if you understand why Jesus was angry, perhaps it will help you to understand uh, the anger. And uh, here in this passage, he is clearing house. In fact, the book of John tells a similar story that Jesus actually grabs a whip and he begins to drive people out of the temple. Uh, it, this passage says he drove them out. Now, I... I went to college and have a degree in biblical studies and church leadership. And I have to tell you, I've, I, I never took a class on how to drive people out like Jesus. In all of the conversations about church and leadership and management uh, and all of the you know, biblical studies, I, I never studied and nobody really talked about driving people out like Jesus. It was all about how to get people in, how, how to get the house to be full, compel them to come in that my house may be full. And, and I want you to understand that Jesus does want his house full, but the question is full of what? What is it full of? And, and here we see 
some things that apparently uh, Jesus, they, they were conflicting with what Jesus knew the heart of his father's house was. Look at what it says in that passage, what they were doing. He said, it says that he drove out those who bought and sold in the temple. Now, if you read these, the, the, the listing of things, it says they bought and sold in the temple. He overturned the tables of the money changers and those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. What in the world is wares? Tupperware, those kinds of things, you know, wares. God's not into Tupperware, apparently. He wouldn't allow them. Wares just means goods, okay? Um, but the interesting thing in this passage is that all of these things actually had been allowed in the Old Testament. Uh, the Bible specifically says in the book of Deuteronomy that if someone lived so far away from the temple that they couldn't bring a sacrifice to the temple, that they could actually sell the animal and they could uh, bring the money and they could buy a sacrifice in the temple. And all of these things um, was allowed. People that were coming from other nations and they were coming into Jerusalem, um, they had to change their money in order to be able to bring a tithe or an offering. And so what I, I want you to see is that all of these things were not necessarily bad things. It, it wasn't that Jesus is against these things. It, it's not about the activity. It was the, the issue was the priority, the priority. And, you know, the same is true in, in our culture, in our world today. If you look at these things, uh, he was driving out those who bought and sold in the temple. Basically, it was they were trying to make worship more comfortable. It's hard to bring an animal a long way, so we're going to make it easy for you. And um, what was intended as an allowance ended up becoming um, the, the expectation. Let's make worship as easy as it can be. It says the, the money changers and, and those who sold doves. Again, they were selling it for an offering, but basically what we're seeing here is that there was a spirit of, um, a spirit of the, the world that was coming into God's house. It was based around, I, I would say it this way, it's based around comfort, consumption, and convenience. And, and here there's people even building a career off of the worship of others. They were selling doves. Now these issues of comfort, consumption, convenience, and career are totally irrelevant today. The sarcasm, if you did not catch it. These are still issues in our culture today. And Jesus is driving them out of the church. He's driving out this, this spirit that is laissez-faire, let's have worship as easy as it can be and, and comfortable as it can be. Even this, uh, th this element of people that were carrying wares through the temple, basically what they were doing is they were using the temple as a little cut through to get to where they wanted to go. In other words, they didn't actually want to be in the temple. They were just using it as a, a convenience to get to where they wanted to go. And Jesus is responding by driving them out. He drives them out. 
He says, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer. And and I, I believe this, that's something that God is wanting to emphasize for us today. I believe God is wanting to emphasize to us that, that the church can no longer depend on comforts, convenience, and, and consumption in order to fulfill the work that God has called us to. And so Jesus is driving people out. Uh, let me ask you this question. This is a, what's it called when they, you don't have to give an answer? What, rhetorical, thank you. It's a rhetorical question. Could it be that God is driving people out of the church today? Listen to any conversation on church leadership. Listen to any podcast. Listen to any author and any pastor's gathering or church leader's gathering. Here's the question that everybody's asking. How do, we, how do we get people to come back? How do we get people to come back? Could it be that Jesus has driven them out? Could it be that Jesus has driven out the, the culture of consumption, convenience, and comfort that has dominated so much of the modern church today? Now, let me say this to you. This is not at all a word of correction to any of you. This is not at all a word of correction. The fact that you're here tonight is proof that that is not the spirit that you have. That's not who you are. If you've been a part of our church over the last two and a half years, uh, that is not who you are. This is not the most comfortable church to be a part of, okay? This is not the most convenient church to be a part of in this season. Is that true? I mean, this is like, where's one church? What are we doing today? Where are we at? But, But here's... Here's what I believe. I'm not saying this at all as a correction, but I am saying it as a clarifying conversation about where God is taking us. Because I do believe there will be a day that will come that it will be a lot easier to have a lot of activity in God's house. But God is not on about just having a bunch of religious activity happening so that people can come and experience a convenient, comfortable worship experience. God's on about something a lot more than that, and that is creating a kind of people that will endure even in the midst of challenges and difficulties. I'm not an expert on end times, Here's my, here's my analysis. Be ready. Okay, that's my end times analysis. Be ready. But here's, here's what I do believe is that uh, in the last days, there will be difficulties. There will be, there will be blessings and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I believe, greater than anything that we've ever seen before. But I also believe that there will be difficult times. And my concern for the church at large is that if we have built our faith and we have built our community around convenient, comfortable consumption, I believe that um, it's going to be shaken, and it already has been shaken. 
And so here's what I, I want you to see, that God's priority for the church is prayer. God's priority for the church. Nothing wrong with church activity. Nothing wrong with all of these things. These were things that God made allowances for. And again, I am so looking forward to the day that we can have things, not just on a weekly basis, but on a daily basis. I'm looking forward to the time that we can have early morning prayer and maybe men's Bible study, women's Bible study, classes and, and, and kids' programs and activities and, 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 you know, worship rehearsal and worship teams and, um, you know, block parties and outreaches and alpha and all of the things that, that I know God is going to uh, release among us. But here's what I want you to understand that those things are good activities, but they can never become the priority. They can never become the priority. And the danger for all of us is this, that prayer can kind of move to the, the, the background or to the side, and eventually we become the, a culture, this is the culture that's predominated to much of the church, that prayer is, is not only not a priority, but it's barely even a part I mean, there's some churches, unless you've got a celebrity leading prayer, nobody's going to come to prayer. And I'm not saying that as a critic, and forgive me if I sound like a church curmudgeon tonight. That's not my, that's not my heart. But what I want you to understand is what makes the church a church is that it is a house of prayer. If you don't like to pray, or at least want to grow in your commitment to prayer, if we don't, then we have to ask the question, are we a church? Or are we a Christian concert series? Or are we a, a, a series of Christian TED Talks? Or are we, you know, a weekly children's activity center? And I'm not saying that to diminish any of the activity that we do, but I'm saying that to prioritize prayer. Jesus never said, my house shall be called a house of preaching. And I love preaching. He never said my house shall be called a house of programs or uh, music. And I love programs. I love music. All of those things are good. But the thing that brings power into the life of the church is prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Prayer is the priority of God's house. Uh, let's remember that the church was not birthed in a preaching meeting, but a prayer meeting. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, after the day of Pentecost, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in breaking bread, and prayers. And the Lord added to the church daily. So prayer was a hallmark. I love what the Bible says about Saul, who became Paul, that, that the very mark of his conversion when God spoke to Ananias to go and lay hands on Saul because God had chosen him to bear witness to the Gentiles, the words that God said to Ananias is, behold, he prays. What was the proof that Paul was now a follower of Jesus? Behold, he prays. That should be what is said about our church. I, I think there's a lot of great things. I think people are going to say, what a cool building. I think people are going to say that. I think people are going to say, let's, let's meet up there. They've got, 
you know, it's a, they've got a great playground. They've got great coffee. They've got a great backyard, all of those things. But let me tell you this, that's not the priority. That will not change people's lives. The, the, the reason pr prayer is the priority is because prayer is what connects us to the blessing of God. Jesus didn't say my house shall be called a house of prayer just because we get little gold stars the more we pray. That wasn't it. He was, he was prioritizing prayer because prayer is the thing that connects us to God. Prayer is the thing that brings the blessing of God. Uh, we can have marriage conferences, and so we should. But we need to pray for our marriages. Or if you're believing for a spouse, you need to pray for a spouse. We, we should have seminars on perhaps parenting or finances. And those things are all good. But more than anything, we need to pray for our children. We need to pray for every aspect. We need to do outreach and activities that bring people in. But more than anything, we need to pray for the lost. Because prayer brings God's blessing. We're going to go back into a time of prayer. Marcia, you can come back up. Um, I want to read this little passage out of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12 and 16, or 12 to 16. This is at the dedication of the, of the temple. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night. This is Solomon dedicating the temple. The Lord appeared to Solomon by night, or actually the preparation for that, and said to him, I have heard your prayer. And I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Sacrifice. When I shut up the heaven and there is no rain, or I command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among the people. In other words, when there's calamity and problems in the world around, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. What an awesome promise. What an awesome declaration. Last week, they poured the slab in what will be our future gathering hall. Early in the morning, before the sun was even up, Brad and all of the team were out there. And um, Brad told me that they were going to be pouring it. And I said, I'd love to come and see it. And I wanted to put a little scripture, write a little scripture down and put it in the slab. And uh, we did that in our house. And you, all of you know, we filled the gathering hall all around the walls with prayer. But I just thought, I want to fill every little nook and cranny of that building with the word of God and with prayer. And I put this scripture on a piece of paper. I said to Brad, um, 
This won't like compromise the integrity of the structure or anything. <laughs> he said, I hope not, because we put Bibles in the buildings that we build missions trips. So sometime before it's all said and done, there's going to be a Bible uh, put in the building. But I put this verse because I, this is my, I, I, I believe, long, our longing, should be our longing. I believe it's God's longing that that would be more than anything. Yes, let it be a house of fellowship. Let it be a place where people build friendships and community. Let it be a place of, uh, of teaching and formation where people grow in the word of God. Let it be a place that marks the next generation with encounters with God. And let it be a place where the community is drawn in. But above it all, let it be a place that's filled with prayer. Let it be a place that is bathed with prayer. I'm not saying that means the only kind of meeting we can have is a prayer meeting. We went roller skating a couple weeks ago. We've got a Friendsgiving event next week. It doesn't mean that every meeting has to be a prayer meeting, but it does mean that everything should be soaked in prayer. Everything should be filled with prayer because we recognize that without God, without his power, without his presence, we can do nothing. Every move of God throughout history that has borne lasting fruit has been birthed in prayer. I love the story of the Moravian prayer uh, or Moravian missions movement that was birthed out of a prayer meeting. A little group of refugees that gathered in, I think, what is now Germany or another country in Europe. But they gathered and they prayed and there was a missions movement sent out around the world. Sometimes around town, you see little churches that are called Moravian churches. It was birthed out of a prayer meeting. Some of you may be familiar with the history of the Azusa Street Revival, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that birthed the modern Pentecostal movement. It was birthed in a prayer meeting. A, a, a preacher that could, uh, William Seymour, that was not allowed to preach in churches because he was an African-American, gathered a group of people in a little house on Bonnie Bray Street, and they began to pray. The Holy Spirit was poured out. And before long, they had to move to another building. The Holy Spirit was poured out there. And now there's, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but many, many, many millions of followers around, uh, followers of Jesus around the world who have been impacted by that movement. Why? Because they prayed. Behold, they pray. My dad, I remember when I was a kid, went to Yoido Full Gospel Church, the largest church in the world in Seoul, South Korea. And he went there because pastors from all over the world were wanting to go there to find out, how do you get your church so big? Thought maybe there was some management or marketing or something like that that was the key. And they went there and he said, I, I discovered the key. But in the middle of the service, they said, let's pray. And he said that when they began to pray, the place began to roar with prayer. And he said, they went on and on and on. Their prayer moment in the service wasn't two minutes. It was an hour. My dad said, I had run out of things to pray for. And the, the Koreans continued to pray, continued to pray. He said, there was such a, such a zeal and prayer. 
that when it came time to stop, they had to get a bell and ring it to get the attention of people. What's the secret prayer? Behold, they pray. Let it be said of us. What an what a incredible group of people. That's the best looking people in Orlando. It's not the priority. I'm using that as an example of saying something that's, that's fine if they say that. But let me, let me say this. What would be the priority? Behold, they pray. You've got a problem? Go to that church. You're going to see a miracle. You've got a need? Go to that community. You've got an addiction? Go there. Behold, they pray. Behold, they pray. Why don't we stand to our feet?